0: The Chicago Bears somehow find new ways to embarrass themselves. This time, it was wasting a franchise record-setting quarterback performance from Justin Fields against the worst defense in the NFL. It's time to get the pitchforks and torches out, because Matt Eberflus needs to be fired. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On the show today, a disaster from the Chicago Bears, a place we've been all too often recently, and it feels like this one needs to be the one that puts the you know the straw that breaks the camel's back, the overflowing that breaks the dam, something here has to change. It was one thing when you got blown out by the Kansas City chiefs an actually good team it's another thing when you are blowing out one of the worst teams in football and still find a way to lose. So we'll look at why this special set of circumstances calls for Matt Eberflus to be fired mid-season. We'll look at where we kind of go from here if he gets fired, although presumably by the time you listen to this podcast, we know for sure that he's not going to be fired. It's a dangerous game recording this podcast on Sunday, and it's a chance that late Sunday night or whatever, or Monday morning, we hear that Matt Eberflus is fired, but as I'm recording this, he has not yet. So we'll look at kind of what the short-term future looks for now. If they fire him, if they don't fire him, what the timing might look like there and why. It might not happen this week, but maybe there's a couple other windows on the schedule where you might be able to squeeze this in. And we'll wrap up with a a check-in as well on the kind of the mess circulating around Chase Claypool being a healthy scratch and the Bears apparently asking him to stay home, but the the team, Matt is not clearly up on all that and kind of some miscommunication there, just a, a a whole bunch of mess to add on to the rest of the mess from everything else that we saw on Sunday. I keep saying it. The Chicago Bears have never fired a head coach mid-season in the franchise's history. They always wait no matter how bad it gets, they'll wait to the end of the year and say that's when it's time to make a change in between, you know, in the off-season. Usually it's right away after the end of the season, but still they wait through all 16 and now 17 games before they ultimately make that decision. But it feels like we've reached a point now with Matt Eberflus where you got to you got to do something. You got to pull the trigger early here and and break precedent, break franchise Precedent to make this the first time that they fire a head coach mid-season. And then it just feels to me like this is the kind of situation that calls for it. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how it felt like the beginning of the end of the Matt Iberflus era that we'll kind of look back after, I think it was week two, and kind of say, yeah, this was the moment we knew it was for sure over. But that didn't necessarily mean you got to fire him right now. It was just that over time, we were pretty confident at that point that Things were going to have some sort of miraculous turnaround to where you would want to end up keeping Matt Eberflus. It just kind of started that clock on when, not if, Eberflus gets fired. But that loss against the Denver Broncos is a next-level embarrassment. And that's kind of what this comes down to, right? Yes, it's, it would be historic for the Chicago Bears to fire a coach midseason, but this was, in my eyes, a historic loss because you had a historically great performance from your quarterback for the first three and three quarters quarters, three and three fourths of quiz. It's not hard to say when it's we're talking about quarters, but the, thir- the first three quarters and then most of the fourth quarter, a historically great franchise record setting performance from Justin Fields. Of course, we all know he started the game 16 for 16 for over 200 yards. He finished the game with a career high 28 completions for 335 yards, four touchdowns. He tied a career-high in completion percentage because I think he, he also had an 80% completion game against the Green Bay Packers that he also lost because, of course, on this team, he's lost the majority of the games, just as Matt Eberflus has lost the majority of the games. But we clearly saw some high-level, exciting quarterback play from Justin Fields in this game that reminded you why you drafted him so early. Why you believed in him so much as a quarterback and remind you like, hey, maybe there's still something there. Like that's the Justin Fields we've been waiting for and we've been looking for, albeit against the worst defense in the NFL. Although the Bears certainly are competing for that title at this stage of the process. But like this was everything you could have possibly asked for from Justin Fields for the vast majority of this game. Of course, he had the fumble at the end and then the interception at the end. But Justin Fields should have never been put into either of those situations. You had a 28-7 lead on the worst defense in football, and you completely blew it. I mean, you completely let them come back in. Of course, then the offense, you know, runs the ball quite a bit and gets a little bit more conservative. They take the foot out the gas. The defense gets absolutely gashed. So I think to some extent, like, Justin Fields should have never been in that spot. Not to excuse the interception and the fumble. He absolutely, you know, contributed to the loss at the end, but like, you know, th- this game is not, oh, Justin Fields lost it for the Bears by any means. And I, I want to go more in-depth on Justin Fields' performance on tomorrow's podcast because I think there's a lot to take from this game. And, and truly answer this question of, like, okay, was this more be- placing, playing against a bad Broncos defense or was this, like, real tangible progress from Justin Fields that we should see continue to carry forward in the future? And I think, as always— it's a little bit of both, but I really want to take a whole podcast to do that tomorrow as opposed to trying to squeeze a full game's worth of Justin Fields' offensive analysis into just a segment here on this podcast immediately after the game. So we'll, we'll go more in on Justin Fields' performance tomorrow, but it's that performance and the quality of the opponent that you're facing that make firing Matt Eberflus the right move now. That it was such a historic offensive performance, a historic good that you were seeing to then historically blow a historic good against a historically bad defense is enough history for me to say, yeah, let's make a historically franchise-shaking move to fire a coach during the season. You know, they've always kind of avoided that because, you know, it's the culture of the Bears. We don't fire coaches mid-season historically. You know, we show confidence in our coaches. We don't want coaches to get hired here and be scared of being fired too early or during during the season and not have that stability. But it's not working, right? Doing it this way of... You know, if you talk about the history and the culture, whatever, that's not working. It hasn't been working for 50 years now. It's time to change things up. Time to fire a head coach during the season for the first time in team history. At this point, as I'm recording this podcast, he hasn't been fired yet. Maybe he will by the time this podcast comes out or by the time you listen to this podcast. But for now, he hasn't been. And so I want to look at what the next steps look like. What does the immediate future look like? Whether he does get fired or not, next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. The Chicago Bears might be in a hiring position soon. And sometimes these hires are super high stakes, especially for an NFL team, hiring a head coach, or maybe for your small business. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Instead of forming a panel with Bill Polian and Ted Phillips to try and find the right candidate for your team, LinkedIn gives you access to the whole pool of LinkedIn members. Millions of people are on LinkedIn, and then they have simple screening tools like questions and and filters that help you focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire and make sure that you can get the right fit for your team and maybe not the wrong fit like we're seeing in Chicago. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So this is a tricky time when we're looking for, hoping for, not I wouldn't say expecting, but looking for, hoping for, a head coach firing news, and, and let's let's start there. If Matt Eberflus is fired, which if he's going to be fired, it's going to be late Sunday night or first thing Monday morning, right? It's not going to be Wednesday. They play they play the Washington Commanders on Thursday this week, right? There's a not a there's not a very long turnaround here for the next game, and so that's why I think they're going to wait and not fire him at this point, even though like we just said. They should. If they do fire him, I would presume Luke Getzey would be named interim head coach. He got some head coaching type experience at the Senior Bowl this past season. Doesn't feel great to kind of promote him after he's been not a big part of the solution for the majority of the season. But the fact that the offense played so well against the Broncos would at least to me say like decent time to all right say all right Luke, it's your it's your shot here. I would consider the idea. It'd be messy, but of firing Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey and making like quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoco your offensive coordinator, and then promoting Richard Hightower your special teams coach to be your interim head coach. Because I mean, at this point, you know, if you fire Luke, Ge- if you fire Matt Eberflus when season's over, if you keep Matt Eberflus, season's pretty much over anyway. Right? I mean, there's no there's no playoffs anymore. We're not talking about trying to win as many games as possible at this point. So I'm not too worried about things getting worse. I'm not too worried about the chaos of yeah, firing the OC and the head coach and promoting your your special teams coordinator, like, why not try something different and see if it can go? I mean, I think it'd be better than hiring Jeff Saturday, like the Colts did last season. I mean, just dumb stuff like that. I mean, even then, though, but, like, why not? If you're trying to tank anyway, hire Jeff Saturday. Hire Olin Kreutz to be your head coach, for all I care. You know what I mean? Go out and get somebody. Let's have fun with it. That's all I want for the rest of the season, is for it to be, like, fun again. And it was fun in the first half against the Denver Broncos, and even the third quarter. There was some fun in this game, and I just want more fun even if they're going to keep losing these games. So why not go a little bit crazy here? But presumably, Matt Eberflus will not be fired today, will not be fired this week. And so if not now, when? And I think there's a few different factors that play in here. And the big one that I just mentioned, the Bears play the commanders in four days. That's not a good time. I mean, there's never a good time to fire your head coach. But like, if there's a worst possible time to fire your head coach, it's when you've got four days before your next football game. You know what I mean? Like, it is not reasonable to fire Ibrafus and have Luke Getty take over the, as the head coach while also trying to install a game plan and, and scout and get ahead against the commanders on Thursday. Like, that is an impossible ask. And really, I mean, whoever is the interim head coach has an impossible ask of trying to lead this team into something or anything sort of positive down the stretch. But, like, you're really not setting your interim head coach up for any co- any sort of reasonable transition when you've got, a four day break until you play the Washington commanders. Could you then fire the coach after the commanders game? Because then you've got a long extra long, you know, they call it the mini bye week between the Thursday night game and the following Sunday. It's a 10 day break between the commanders and the Vikings. After that, to me, that feels like the first plausible window. I still, again, I still don't think the McCaskies are going to do it at this point. Like it would take, you know, An arrest or, I mean, there is next level chaos here. You know, if the FBI actually raided Hallis Hall this week or something like that, which they didn't previously, even though it was rumored that they did. But, like, if there was, like, a very public real raiding of the FBI onto Hallis Hall for something, you know, for Eberflus or whatever, like, sure, if there was some outrageous set of circumstances where the franchise just has to fire somebody to say face in that way. Like that's not even football related, not X's and O's related, but just like, yeah, get this guy out of here. You know, that, that could do it even on a short week, but like short of that, you know, I think they're really going to need to feel like there's a good time for it. And right now is not maybe the, maybe the commanders part, you know, with 10 days afterward, is that enough time to turn it around? I I would think so. It was enough time last season to overhaul the whole offense and come out in the following game with a brand new scheme that was working really, really well it just feels weird to me. Like if you get absolutely embarrassed by the Broncos in the most demoralizing way, and then maybe you get like regular embarrassed by the commanders, like the commanders just beat you because they're a better team, but it's not like the same level of demoralizing. Then it feels a little bit like a, like a, it's almost like harder to fire him when the game, when the team maybe does a little better or the, or the game is less disappointing. And because then it's like, Oh, why all of a sudden is this the line? It's, It's just because the calendar was better. Like it makes sense. Like the calendar does play a real factor there, but like, it feels like I'm arguing for energy and vibes here, but like the vibes are like, you got to fire him now. Or if not now, then there's not going to be another time this season where the public support for the firing is strongest, right? Like this just momentum wise, it makes the most sense. Everybody, it makes sense to everybody to fire him. Now, if you lose to the commanders, you know, 28, 10, or, you know, your standard kind of like, yeah, you lost pretty bad, but it wasn't, you know, just a regular old loss. Then it feels like, okay, you fired him for, for that. You know, like it doesn't feel like it's got the punch to it, the meaning behind it. If you're going to make the franchise's first midseason firing, it feels weird to do that. If not after the Commanders game, then, I mean, you got another Thursday night game against the Panthers on November 9th and a 10-day break after that. But then you're rolling with Ibraflus for another full month up to that point. Or then there's the bye week in week 13. So that would be like the December 3rd is that Sunday, so the beginning of December. And you fire him after week thir- or after week twelve against the Vikings. So then you have like a two week bye week for the interim head coach to take over for the final five games of the season. Like, I sure again better than nothing. I mean, you might as well get somebody in there just to try something else. But like to me, firing Matt Eberflus is not about like getting rid of him because you know you think the next guy is going to do such a better job or whatever. Like you're not firing Matt Eberflus because you're trying to have the team be better for the rest of the season. You're firing Matt Iberflus as a sign of accountability to your players, to your front office, to your fan base, that what we see on the field is not acceptable. And so when you choose not to fire him after this loss to the Denver Broncos, you're still telling us that for now, this is acceptable. And that's the real problem here, right? If you wait and fire him later in the season, why, why has it been acceptable up to that point? But then all of a sudden, during the bye week, oh, now it's not acceptable, but it was acceptable after week four. It should have never been acceptable along the way. And that's why you have to make the firing now and not wait to do it later in the season. That's really what this comes down to for me. Maybe they'll let them play out the whole year. They've Again, they've never actually fired a coach during the season. As much as everyone was calling for Matt Nagy to be fired during the season, John Fox to be fired during the season, Mark Tressman to be fired during the season, Dick Duron to be fired during the season. Like people wanted these coaches out and they resisted. Even when... Nagy got blown out by the Patriots by a million. Or no, that was Tressman got blown out by the Patriots by a million in 2014. And it was like, oh, you gotta fire him midseason now. They didn't. You know, they ha- they've held on. They have swallowed all sorts of crap. I was gonna say the S-word by trying to try and limit my swearing here. They have swallowed, they have taken so much crap, dookie, and just ate it. Just said, you know what, we're gonna live with it. We're just gonna wallow in this garbage and make everybody. Watch this happen, and then call it accountability after the season. But so I mean, the, the fact that they've put up with that and been willing to stomach it through all of those other bad coaches tells me, like history says, they're not going to fire in midseason. I hope they do, but I'm not. I'm just not going to expect it at this point. I, I refuse to. I will be surprised. Dare I say, I will be surprised if they fire Matt Eberflus during the season because they've never done it before. Even though I are, I adamantly think they should. The latest example as to the weirdness, the lack of accountability, the lack of just leadership and control over his team is what's going on with Chase Claypool this week. The comments he made to the media, the ha- healthy scratch surprise decision, plus the mix up afterward about whether he was asked to be at the stadium or not. We'll kind of catch up on what's going on with Chase Claypool and again, how it looks bad for the franchise. It looks bad for the general manager. It looks bad for the head coach. It looks bad for just about everybody in this situation. it's the latest mess. On top of all the other messes from Matt Eberflus, next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. It's the best time to get going on FanDuel if you've never done it before, because right now new customers are going to get a $200 free in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's an extra $200 just added right to your account when you place one $5 bet. They've had odds all season on who's going to be the first head coach to be fired. Matt Eberflus certainly moving up in those odds. And of course, those odds won't be updated until the start of the week, so I don't have the latest odds on that right in front of me at this moment, but you can bet money on Matt Eberflus being the first coach to be fired. You place that $5 bet, you're going to get no matter whether your bet wins or loses you're going to get an extra $200 in bonus bets added to your account. So if you've been thinking about trying FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and have a little bit more fun with these games besides what we're seeing from the Chicago Bears. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. The Chase Claypool saga with the Chicago Bears has been a disaster, and it feels like it has now reached its breaking point. Just as the Matt Eberflus era fits that exact same description, take everything I just said and then <laughs> and then make it Chase Claypool been a disaster, and or Matt Eberflus from the start reached a breaking point. But um, but now now we've really kind of reached this point where I wouldn't say he was. I mean, was he a you call him a surprise healthy scratch? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that anybody was stunned. Shocked and stunned. I combined that to stunned. But, um, you know, like we were, it was unexpected because much like everything else, like there hadn't been accountability up to this point, but all of a sudden they decided this is the week we're going to bench Chase Claypool. The healthy scratch was announced really like early Sunday because Matt Eberfus and company told the team on Saturday that, Eberf- that, that Claypool would be a healthy scratch. Justin Fields said after the loss that coaches didn't say specifically why that Chase Claypool would be inactive. They just they announced the inactive and said it's Chase Claypool. And that was that, which again feels like a red flag for your coaching staff. But there's a lot of red flags here in this whole process. So this week, I think it was Thursday, might've been Friday. not Can't remember for sure which day of the week it was. But one of the days this week, Chase Claypool interviewed at his locker after practice, was asked, do you think the Chicago Bears coaching staff is putting you in the best position to be successful? Because he had complained in Pittsburgh about the coaching there not using him right. Asked, hey, are the Bears using you right? He paused. He said no. And uh, that was it. That was his version of calling out the coaches for not using him correctly. That was the initial firestorm. Chase Claypool says Bears aren't using him correctly, which, I don't know. Luke Getty wasn't using very many players correctly most of the season. So I don't know that Claypool was totally inaccurate there. But you don't say it out loud when you're 0-4 or 0-3 at the time. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't go public. With that, and it adds to the the reputation he has as being someone who well we will kindly say has been a malcontent at times. I mean, I, I think some of that's been overblown with Claypool, and I think it's some of it's unfair to chase Claypool, but some of it's real when he says things like this. So that's like the initial, like I don't know you call it a firestorm at that point, the initial embers on our on our fire here, right? A spark. There's already some tinder here, some 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 dry wood, some sticks, some leaves of he's not playing well. Offense isn't playing well. Poor effort against the Packers. Apologize to the team. Like we had dry firewood here. Then we get our spark, our flame, our ember. Ignites. Yeah, no. Coaches are not using me correctly. Not, not in all those words, but said the word no. Didn't say they're not using me correctly, but asked, right? No. All right. Something's burning here. Then Sunday it comes out. Chase Claypool, healthy scratch. Inactive. Against the Denver Broncos. Is that immediate thought, right? Is that accountability for him calling out the coaches? Is this something they were planning on doing anyway before they, you know, before he called out the coaching staff? You know, was this just a response to his bad effort? Is this temporary? Is this long term? All these sorts of questions. But offense looks great without him. But also, during the game, huh? We didn't get any of those camera shots where they show, yeah, Chase Claypool was a surprise inactive here he is on the sideline in street clothes. Maybe he's got an piece in so we can hear the play calls or whatever. They see him talking to Justin Fields, celebrating with Justin Fields. You know, we always see that when a prominent player, usually it's when they're injured, or but sometimes when they're just regular and active, the broadcast will cut to them and you'll see him on the sidelines. But media at the game says, yeah, Chase Claypool, not here, not on the sidelines. It's a home game, right? It's not like he didn't travel with the team. He, he lives here, or at least currently, um, but not there, not on the sideline. Matt Buflusa. Asked after the game. And again, I would play his quotes for you, but they're pretty short and there's not a lot to, and hearing it's not that important at this point with, with Iberflus. Um, he said the the healthy scratch inactive was not in response to his comments about the coaching staff. They did make the decision to, to sit him down after those comments were made. But Iberflus says not not a relation to that. Just wanted to sit him down and give some other guys some opportunities. of St. Brown had been practicing well, had been inactive all season. Wanted to give him the shot. More playing time for Tyler Scott, Valis Jones, Trent Taylor, et cetera. Just decided that that would be the move to do. Matt Iberflus was asked, uh, why wasn't Chase Claypool here? I don't know, he was at home. Did you ask him to stay home? Matt Iberflus said, no, we did not ask him to stay home. So did, did you want him to be here? He goes, well, I'm not gonna not gonna, not gonna, gonna speak to that. Uh, but just regardless, the, the the answer from Iberflus was, we didn't ask him to stay home, but he wasn't here. You can read between the lines that say Chase Claypool then decided on his own to stay home and that maybe the Bears weren't crazy about it. But then after Matt Eberflus's press conference, a Bears team spokesperson anonymously said, oh, actually, the Bears did ask Chase Claypool to stay home. So Matt Eberflus either lied or misspoke accidentally or what would be the third option here? Or, or didn't know that someone asked chase Claypool to stay home. And out of those three, I think the best case scenario is that he legitimately accidentally misspoke, that he misheard the question and, you know, thought he was, thought the question was something else. I mean, I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I don't know exactly why, but, I'm just, you know, because I never want to assume someone is a liar or an idiot, right? I, I do want to say, like, i he's a sure he's a good human being. I don't wish any ill will on Matt Eberthus as a person. I don't want to assume he's lying or stupid. So let's assume maybe that he accidentally misspoke or misheard the question or something like that, but it just feels like it's another example of your head coach, not being on top of things, not having his stuff together, not having an answer, a correct answer for whatever reason, whatever reason we want to decide, not knowing what's going on with his football team. Or like last week when he was asked about injuries and he couldn't remember for sure what happened with Jalen Johnson, why he was ruled with an illness, but it looked like a concussion. I know the type of Stevenson, excuse me, looked like a concussion, but then it was rolled an illness, came back in the game, left the game. You know, you're just not on top of everything as the head coach, as the leader of this organization. And it's like the next reason why you should be fired. And then after the game, Justin Fields also says like, yeah, frustrating to not have one of our best receivers out there in Chase Claypool. Didn't get an explanation from the coaching staff as to why Claypool wasn't out there. We accept their decision and we're going to make the most out of the guys that we had. And the offense was still great, but I wanted to have Chase Claypool out there. I like Chase Claypool. And he, he can help us win football games. And I always want him out there. And to, to, again, like to not have your organizational message, not have the message to the team saying, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what you can say to the media, but here's the truth. You know what I mean? Like you can do all these things. You can be honest with your players and also keep your players from being too honest with the public. You know what I mean? You can do both at the same time and protect your organization and your competitive advantage, but have a, have a unified message from your team. And the Bears just don't have that. The players and the coaches have been saying different things all season. Guys are not on the same page. It's poor management, poor leadership from Matt Eberflus as a head coach. And that was the whole thing he was brought in here to do. He wasn't brought in here because he's a defensive mastermind, because his schemes are innovative or anything like that. Colts fans were frustrated with Matt Eberflus's defense in Indianapolis. That should have been a bigger red flag in hindsight when the Bears hired him. We should have been more concerned, I think, by how much Colts fans were kind of happy to see him go. But didn't hire him for that reason anyway. You hired him to be because he's supposed to be a great leader, because he's supposed to be a great communicator, a great manager of people with a great system of hustle and intensity and turnovers. And I can never remember the S. The Bears have none of the things from Iberflus that they hired him for. That's why he should be fired today, yesterday, tomorrow, ASAP. Accountability for a person not performing up to the level of the standard that they should be held to and also not performing in the exact reasons they were brought in here to perform. Whatever happens with Matt Eberflus, we'll still be here five days a week for your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's gonna be the best way to keep up with everything we're putting out. Little shorts on our Instagram page, reels on our Facebook page, little, little YouTube shorts on our YouTube channel, graphics. We got stat graphics, got quote graphics. We had a whole graphics package now with Lock-On Podcast Network. It's great. Keep up with everything we're putting out there. Come back tomorrow when we're going to go more in depth on Justin Fields and the offensive progress against the Denver Broncos. What's that actually look like? And then on Wednesday, I really want to dive in on Ryan Poles and kind of see which what should Ryan Poles be held accountable for here? What can we just blame on? Oh, it's the coach's fault, not Ryan Poles' fault. And what's actually Ryan Poles' fault here? Should he be fired too? I don't think that question is super obvious. I don't think the answer to that is an overwhelming yes. It might be yes. And honestly, right now I'm not even fully decided on that, but that's what I wanna explore. I wanna ask some of the tough questions about Ryan Poles on Wednesday after we go through Justin Fields, Luke Getze's performance tomorrow. So come on back for that. And you gotta come back every day to get your next opportunity to bear down.